0: Predictive programming is the idea that popular culture, such as movies, television shows, and books, contain hidden messages intended to influence public opinion and behavior. The purpose of predictive programming is to shape public opinion and behavior in a way that is beneficial to those in power. It's believed that those in power use predictive programming to control the masses and to promote their own agendas. There are many examples one can point to whereby cryptic messaging was put into popular media in the days, weeks, and sometimes years before major events happen. Why did the elites utilize predictive programming? There are a few different theories as to why. It could be to subliminally embed ideas into the mass consciousness to better actualize their agendas. Another theory is that they do it to gain the tacit consent of the public, so the powers that be can effectively say, Look, we told you what we were doing, and skirt the laws of karma through free will. There are other theories, whether these are correct or not is up for debate and purely hypothetical. We don't exactly know what's going on in the minds of these globalist scum. To dive deeper into this topic, I talked with a social media creator by the name of Drew. I've followed Drew on Twitter for a few years and liked some of his content. And recently I found out that he is open to going on a public podcast by noticing him on a roundtable podcast with Tim Pool. And I thought to myself, neat, I'll see if he wants to come do a conspiracy analytica show and he agreed. So as always, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by subscribing on Local, Subscribestar, or Substack, or Patreon for just a few bucks a month. Each of those platforms will be listed down below, and your help in bringing this content to the people is greatly appreciated. Now for episode 21 of the Conspiracy Analytica podcast on predictive programming with Drew.
1: Drew, what's up, brother? How you doing? hey Jordan uh, doing great and appreciate you having me on it's gonna be an awesome conversation um, yeah I've been I uh, started watching you in uh, 2017 and and uh, it, you really helped me uh, get into the whole space so yeah really excited for the combo
0: no shit man yeah I uh, remember coming across your Twitter account way back I don't even know when maybe 2018 19 before I got banned off Twitter and I remember following you liking your stuff you interacted with some of my stuff. So, uh, and recently I recognized you get quite a following and I didn't realize you did podcasts. So hit you up on Twitter, invited you to come on here. I saw, I saw you made it onto the Tim pool show. Was that a few weeks ago or something like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was about two weeks ago from today. It was, uh, it was a cool opportunity. One of my friends, uh, he goes by his at name is sovereign bra on Twitter but he had gone on before for just like red, p- red pill manosphere type stuff, like just like, you know, talking about hoes. But uh, somehow he managed to convince Tim to uh, to have him on and talk about some like more esoteric stuff. So it was a really, uh, it was really cool. Yeah.
0: Nice, man. How'd you come across my stuff way back? 2017, that was uh, I mean really early on in my YouTube shit-stirring.
1: Yeah, no, it was, um, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, what, um, what originally like the first video that I saw of yours, but I was, that was right around my, you know, awakening process in 2016. I'll go over it really briefly. Um, I was a huge, I was just a perfectly, you know, normie type dude in 2016, um, was a big Bernie bro. It was my first like election as an adult. And, um, i actually, as a kid, like I liked Ron Paul, but then it was mainly the anti-establishment, you know, flavor that I liked. So when I saw Bernie run, I was really into it. And, you know, um, you know, I had a lot of naive hope and seeing the WikiLeaks, um, come out and then, you know, obviously Hillary just stole the primary outright from him, um, really woke me up to, you know, government corruption one. And then two, seeing the media cover for it was insane. Like I, I couldn't believe my eyes. And then it, you know, it also exposed the whole left establishment media as well. Um, where they just like Jon Stewart and uh, Stephen Colbert, where Bur- Bernie should have, should have been the ideal candidate given the stuff they talked about, but you know, they just were actually both their shows got canceled before 2016. So can't blame him too much, but um, but yeah, that's, The WikiLeaks and then kind of PizzaGate stuff um, led me to to you know the Q QAnon stuff and then I think that's probably where I uh, where I found you initially.
0: Yeah, probably man. We had kind of similar, I guess, similar paths. Um, I wasn't much of a Bernie bro, but I wasn't big into Ron Paul in 2012. I was a big Ron Pauler, but. I guess everything I was researching from about 2011 to 2016, a lot of it disenfranchised me with the whole political spectrum. And I know you're interested in a lot of other stuff that doesn't have to do with politics. Me too, but I got really disenfranchised with political stuff and I didn't even keep track of the 2016 election. I was checked out of everything. I knew Hillary Clinton was an Illuminati puppet, but at the time I thought Trump was as well. So I'm like, screw it. It's all, it's all rigged. But Mm-hmm. similar to you i saw the wikileaks stuff come out not only was all the pizza words mentioned in the wikileaks emails but i also saw john podesta talking with tom DeLong and a few other people about the ufo free energy stuff and i'm like yeah it's so yep. crazy
1: that people people don't uh, really mention that in the wikileaks it's you know there was there's so many great topics from the wikileaks that expose obviously pizzagate and stealing the the primary and just how corrupt the democrats are but Those I remember seeing those UFO emails, I'm like, holy shit. That was my actual first ever um, exposure to any type of, you know, any type of government disclosure of, or legitimacy with UFOs.
0: Yeah. Legitimacy. That's a big question. I don't know if John Podesta emailing about UFOs. I mean, legitimacy kind of has some (laughs) baggage to it, but for sure. Yeah. I mean that the WikiLeaks emails is what gave me the inspiration to And all the Russiagate stuff, too, and all the media corruption around 2016 gave me the inspiration to hop onto the Internet and start speaking my mind on there. And I know you are into a lot of other stuff, into the UFO things. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. that. You mentioned you got into the Q stuff. I guess we're kind of going through this chronologically. Like, what did you begin getting interested into in terms of the esoterica? Like, where where did it go after WikiLeaks emails, after 2016, 2017?
1: Yeah, no, great question. So it's, it's kind of funny as well, because at the same time that I was, you know, really following along with the Bernie and the, the 2016 primary, at the same time, I discovered Bitcoin and crypto. And nice. there's, you know, uh, obviously some overlap in the communities. Um, and because in order to understand Bitcoin... You have to understand what actual money or what, you know, U.S. dollars actually are. So, you know, understanding the Federal Reserve and um, and fiat currency in general. So, you know, I was in I went to college for um, I got a a dual major in accounting and information technology management. So IT and, and accounting. So I was already into the financial and technology side. So. Bitcoin was really kind of my intro, and then some of the same um, Bitcoin influencers—I'm sure you know who I'm who I'm thinking of here. Um, he was—he was one of the big—I I can't believe I'm blanking on his name—but he was one of the big uh, PizzaGate guys initially. He used to write for like Politico. Um, God, he's uh, oh my God! What's his name? Uh, David oh, Seaman. David okay,
0: Seaman. oh David Seaman.
1: You familiar with him? You remember him?
0: Quite familiar was, with Seaman, yeah.
1: <laughs> he was early to get wiped. He was really early to get wiped.
0: Yeah, but, he, uh, he, I remember his reporting on Pizzagate, but then he got a little weird around 2019. I don't even know. He kind of faded into oblivion. I don't know if he's on the internet anymore. He started his yeah, fucking news thing, and then mm, who knows. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, so anyways, it was basically, I would say David Seaman, and then... The, uh, the dollar vigilante, Jeff Berwick.
0: Okay, I'm familiar um, with that name.
1: Both of them were, you know, kind of the crossover where they were Bitcoin influencers. They talked about Bitcoin a lot, but then they uh, obviously also covered political and Pizzagate type stuff. Yeah. So David Seaman, like relentlessly plugging Ethereum and Bitcoin at the end of every video is really, um, I think, I, I you know, it might've even been more of, you know him covering the the WikiLeaks stuff that brought me to Bitcoin and vice versa. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, crossover there, but yeah, understanding Bitcoin, learning about the Federal Reserve at the same time of following the WikiLeaks. Um, you know, obviously that that led me to a lot of the truther stuff. And and for you, Jordan specifically, I remember specifically thinking when I first saw your content, I was like, wow, this is the first person I've seen who covers full spectrum conspiracy or you know just the truth because you had the health you had the political you had the ufo and you know kind of the esoteric uh spirituality stuff as well and i remember thinking oh wow like you can uh, like actually just cover all of it and like um i think what was interesting for me was that you were able to draw threads in between all of the you know different subjects that I found uh, really interesting. And yeah, big fan of your content. I remember me and my buddy, um, my best friend, we'd always watch your videos. Um, we, we started working in crypto, in the crypto sphere. So we quit our desk jobs and then it was 2017, fall of 2017. So it was right when Q was dropping. So we were basically just watching your stuff every day and uh, yeah, learned a lot.
0: Dude, I appreciate that, man. I did not talk about crypto back then. Didn't really understand it. I'd heard about it, and mm-hmm. here and there, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I really started digging into Bitcoin and under- understanding the idea of a value exchange mechanism outside of the uh, centralized financial system. But interesting thing about the crypto space is that the influencers in it they're they're quite varied. You'll get some more lefty influencers. You'll get those who just want to make money. You'll get those who are definitely anti-establishment into the conspiracy stuff. A lot of them don't yep. want to get political or controversial, but some do. And yeah, yeah, it's a
1: great sphere because it is, and I think this is some of the greatest evidence for the fact that um, crypto is already people talk about you know, crypto eventually taking over the fiat system and like making impact beyond the financial sphere. And i think it really already has i have a few friends what's great about crypto is it's the first time that you can get extremely wealthy like you know seven eight figures to the point of "fuck you money um without going through gatekeepers and it's kind of similar with social media because you know you can be an influencer and kind of do the same thing without a gatekeeper through social media but You eventually do run into gatekeepers, obviously YouTube, um, and you're eventually going to run a uh, you're going to need ads or some type of other revenue source with crypto. People just got extremely wealthy in their basement. And then, for instance, uh, I'm talking about the political impact now. I know um, some of my friends, they were their family. They have three brothers. One was a, a dentist. The other two. The other one was a doctor and the other one worked on Wall Street. They bought Ethereum. Basically, retired their whole family. Turned like 100k into six mil, and then during the coronavirus pandemic, because they didn't have any strings attached and they weren't working for the medical establishment anymore, they actually helped lead or lead the, um, you know, I think it was a uh, frontline doctors of America or whatever that organization was. Oh, where they cool. were on Yeah, yeah. Capitol Hill talking. So mm-hmm. that that's an example of you know crypto actually changing the world already um but yeah no it's it's a great space and and the crypto influencers like you were talking about um those the liberal ones are kind of late comers you know they didn't they don't they, to this day i can guarantee you they still don't understand what's actually wrong with the fiat system you know they won't acknowledge the federal reserve they're just in it because they think it's just another you know it's the new tech scene so what's right. really funny is when crypto companies, which Crypto is about decentralization. So when you form a company for crypto, it, it inevitably goes horribly. So it's hilarious seeing people start them and then they get like an HR department and they recruit people, they recruit normies. And then these people get online, try and join the community. And they're like, oh, my God, they're they're not feminist. And, and they say bad words. Uh, one, one example uh, relevant to Miami is the first actually the first time I came to Miami in 2018 was for. The Miami North American Bitcoin Conference and their after party for the conference, the official after party was at the 11 uh, strip club. So there was huge, uh, the, the media ran with it. They thought it was, uh, they, you know, they tried to smear the whole organization like, oh my God, they're such misogynists. Their after party was at the strip club. But, anyways, yeah, crypto was great.
0: That's funny. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I see crypto, a lot of people, are, I see it as a tool. So a lot of people are using the tool, they got in early, they were able to sustain themselves and, you know, kind of break free from the system in some regard, but a lot of people are using the tool in the wrong way, they get very greedy, they lose money, and do I think it's the future forever? Definitely not. It's still, you still require computers and the internet for it, so, you know, there's things that can happen that can definitely uh, screw us if you hold all your wealth or all your uh, belongings in bitcoin but no i see it as a tool that is one of many needed to decentralize ourselves from the system from the matrix so that's cool man and so you you were getting into bitcoin you mm-hmm. start watching my stuff 2017 2018 i mean i guess where you at now what's your most Interested topics. What topics do you like digging into most? What do you uh what what piques your interest?
1: So yeah, um, so to just to continue on from that journey, you know, I I got into the crypto big in 2018, like I said, so it gave me a lot of time to research. Um, I wrote good my time to get book. into it too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was and and what's interesting is there's some echoes of the reason I got into it was that the first Bitcoin ETF was up for approval um, and the SEC ended up declining and not uh, not approving it. But just because of the hype that was around, the fact that they even had to approve or disapprove is what caused that bull run of 2017 to 2018. But uh, and what's to, funny for, forward- oh, go ahead.
0: Don't mean to interrupt you, but what uh what's funny about the crypto space is you, you were mentioning the kind of lefties or normies that get into it and it. The mm-hmm. shock hits them once they start really digging. You're seeing how the government now, I mean, for years, but it's heating up now with people like Elizabeth Warren and others there, <laughs> and Jamie Dimon of of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase is there going so hard against Bitcoin and cryptocurrency mm-hmm. in general. So the normies that are into crypto, they see the government and their overreach. It's like it doesn't matter what topic you're into, whether it's firearms, crypto, Your kid's in school and you want to make sure there's nothing weird going on there. It's like, it doesn't matter what it's into. What you're into, there's just such a broad overreach in every regard that there's going to be some instance that wakes up a sleeper, wakes up a Mm -hmm. normie, and then just the kind of the natural human curiosity, the natural human spirit, they start connecting the dots and it gives me hope, Yeah, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, we're clear. I mean, it's very clear that we're hitting another stage of, you know, um, expansion and access to information. Um, astrologically we had a uh, Saturn conjunct Pluto and Capricorn. It's a, it's a rare um, astrological um, event that happened in the, I believe it was January 12th of 2020 and the last time it had happened was the Protestant Reformation, where uh, the Bible was translated um, out of Latin and it kind of decentralized information. There's also the printing press at the same time. So we're, you know, I think we're, we're reaching a very similar time where, you know, we basically have our own printing press right now, which, of course, was very important to the original American Revolution, Um obviously being able to di- distribute um, common sense and and Ben Franklin writing in the newspapers, etc. cetera. Um, we're at a very similar point where the expansion of access to information is, you know, leading to a quote unquote great awakening. Um, so yeah. And I think crypto is a big part of that, obviously.
0: Yeah. Printing press came out, what, about mid 1400s?
1: 1440- yeah. Something ish. around there.
0: The Gutenberg mm-hmm. printing press and, I I agree with you. It was able to decentralize the sharing of information or speed it up astronomically from what it was before. But then you saw the powers that be kind of work to centralize their control on things like newspapers, printed material, textbooks, things like that took a little bit of time. And Mm -hmm. there's kind of a corollary going on right now with the internet in that it is allowing us to share true and untrue information at light speed. And you're Mm -hmm. seeing the controllers try to centralize it, keep it under their control. But I don't yeah, think... Yeah, I,
1: I see the transition being with blockchain, where now yeah. we have a uncensorable record um, to once again escape the control of the centralized entities.
0: Yeah, the blockchain... I've played around on some blockchain social media websites, one called Noster. There's a couple others out there, too, that are based on blockchain. Hive,
1: Hive is, uh, is uh, my favorite, for sure.
0: Hive, you said? Yeah, yeah, and
1: I think I think I talked to you about it, actually, back in the day.
0: Yeah. In like, I like, uh,
1: 2019 or something.
0: They're really cool. There is some
1: hiccups. They're a little slow.
0: There's still some stuff to work out with them. But it is really cool how you can see, and they're basically the same as working on something like Twitter, or Facebook, or whatnot, a lot less features and mm-hmm. a little less laggy. But it is really cool, the idea of being an uncensorable open ledger, utilizing social media and we can use blockchain technology in a variety of ways, not just with money, but with social media, maybe voting someday to make it more honest and secure. So really blockchain technology is quite a, uh, it's quite revolutionary if we use it properly.
1: Yeah, it'll, it'll, um, on a long enough time span, you know, if we don't get hit with a solar flare, or, you know, full on <laughs> EMP and, you know, go back to stone ages, it, it will definitely transform society and basically every, Function. Um, just to just to continue on my story though, we'll get we'll focus back in. Um, so yeah, you had you had uh, twenty eighteen. I was in crypto, and then we have the crypto bear market. We had the huge run up in twenty seventeen, and then twenty eighteen, everything crashes. So all the projects I was working on basically kaput. Money's dried up. So at this point, this is where I had to. You know, I was doing all this research into the truth or conspiracy realm, but I wasn't public. I wasn't trying to be an influencer or share anything that I learned. But because of the crypto bear market, I basically I'm like, wow, like I, you know, I have no other choice. I've I've spent all my time learning about this. This is my you know, this is my niche. This is what I have the most, you know, uh, advantage in um, and most value that I can bring to the market. So I I made a choice in the winter of 2018. I said, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice my, you know, my public persona with all the, you know, I was a big LinkedIn guy. I always wanted to, you know, have that social media presence of prestige and, you know, business professionalism. And I said, you know what, let's just start speaking your truth. And, you know, maybe I'll, I'll basically ruin all my chances of being hired in corporate America. But, you know, this is something I'm passionate about. So I started my Twitter account, started um, pushing out content. I wrote my first book. Um, and oh, you published a book. Yeah, yeah. I wrote, uh, it's it's called Woke. I just got, it was just an ebook for the longest time. I finished it in fall of 2019. But I did just get it uh, printed out, so um See, nice. yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to send one to you, Jordan. Yeah, do it. Uh, awesome. It's, um, oh, I mean, ahead.
0: deciding to speak your truth like that and just saying screw it, it's good on your soul, isn't it? You just feel this weight that gets lifted on your shoulders, and you're like, I don't give a shit about anybody's <laughs> opinion of me. This Is what I think. I'm not gonna get shut down or suppressed like. That they want you know, the controllers brainwash people to be like Agent Smiths. It's an Agent mm-hmm. Smith effect. When you start questioning the matrix and push it back a little bit, people in their unconscious brainwashing, they jump up like Agent Smiths and try to shut you down and you fight back. The against cognitive it.
1: dissonance. Yeah, the cognitive oh. dissonance is brutal. Yep.
0: Brutal. And man, I'm sure that was a huge lift for you.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, it was freeing. It was, it was, you know, with destruction and, uh, you know, a complete transformation of, you know, I lost a lot of friends, obviously. And then yeah, I mean,
0: there's, there's, uh, there's roadblocks along the way and speed bumps and stuff. It doesn't come without trials and tribulations, but,
1: but yeah, like you were saying, after the transformation, there's truly, I was thinking about this, this morning, you know, counting my blessings and, to be able to honestly say exactly what you believe without any fear of repercussion or, you know, disruption, you're not relying on a gatekeeper to maintain your life is just it's the greatest feeling of all time. Because I, I know friends, you know, obviously that are still in the corporate world and they can't they can't publicly say what they believe. That's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's literally impossible for them. So. So, yeah, I made that I made that decision in a winter of 2018, um, you know, obviously it was hard, uh, during points. Um, but because of that, um, wrote my first book, started making, uh, income from the book and, you know, you know, just scraping together, just barely a living from that, doing a lot of, uh, um, traveling and, and couch surfing with my friends across the country. Um, but then 2019, I, I really, um, because partly because of the book, but I was releasing threads on Twitter, and actually, again, thanks to you, Jordan, you were your audience because you quote tweeted and art and RTed some of my threads. For instance, my my big hit thread was when Epstein died, um, or was killed rather. Um, I wrote a thread, and you, um, I believe, you quote tweeted or RT'd it, and the traction that I got from that and the initial follower boost from that is kind of what I've built my entire life off since. So big, thank you for that. Uh, There's also UFO thread. I think you, uh, you plugged as well, but, but truly Jordan. Yeah. You were a, you are a huge part in, in a lot of the steps of, of, uh, of my process here to, to build up the network and the career I have now. So that was huge. Started actually gaining traction on Twitter, had my book, Mm -hmm. And obviously at the same time, I was still following all your content. So I was, you know, looking back, what I see now is I was probably too obsessed with the day-to-day, you know, Russiagate type stuff. Cause yes, it was obvious that they were lying and they were hundred percent were. Um, And obviously the Durham report and everything, you know, beyond a, a shadow of a doubt, if you actually have two brain cells to rub together, you can see that. Yeah, it was, it was a huge farce the entire time. And Most likely it was an operation to get the uh, public sentiment against Russia enough to justify, you know, the huge Ukraine war expenditures, um, you know, four years later or whatever. Um, But, yeah, so I was I was really following the Q Russiagate stuff. Um, You know, we had those the midterms of 2018. Um, And then going into 2019, like I said, wrote the book, did a bunch of traveling, went and saw the uh Georgia Guidestones. Um before they blew up? Nice. Yeah, well, I, I have a funny story about that. Did I was you face I, them and put graffiti all over them and stuff. Better than that. Uh so Pee I on actually <laughs> um I actually uh I was traveling. This is a separate trip. This is now, I believe, 2021. I was on a road trip with my with one of my friends, Nick Hinton, who's another Twitter influencer author. Oh,
0: yeah. I'm familiar with Nick and his name is Profile.
1: OK, awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, so we are traveling together and we were we were hitting all the stops. We hit um, we hit Jekyll Island. Um, are you familiar with Jekyll Island? The yep. place of the Federal Reserve? Federal Reserve. Yep. So we hit Jekyll Island and um, and then we hit the guidestones afterwards. But when we were on the way to Jekyll Island, we started to do some more research because we're like, we know the basics, but you know, what else could we find out about Jekyll Island? And what was really interesting is we found this interview from a guy who went there in 2007. He said he like got like divine inspiration to go there. He felt like God was calling him to go there. So he went. Um, he got like a private tour of the, you're familiar. Are you familiar with the setup of Jekyll Island? It's basically like a bunch of rich people's mansions, like Rockefeller and JP Morgan and Ford. Bet, and Carnegie, they all got places there. Yeah. So, uh, he got a tour of the, the Rockefeller's house, but unlike all the other mansions, it wasn't just called, you know, like JP Morgan's house or the Rockefeller cottage, it it's called to this day it's called the indian mound house because they built it on top of an indian mound but what they don't tell you and what the tour guides will never tell you besides what they told this guy on his private tour is what was in the mound was the natives human sacrifice altar so the rockefellers so the rockefellers the Rockefellers built this their whole house. Oh yeah, what's a where should we build the house? Oh, let's build it on top of the child sacrifice altar. Can you um, imagine,
0: can you imagine what the hell the Rockefellers do out in their giant Wyoming ranch in the Tetons? Ooh.
1: Yeah, Ooh. I uh, I prefer not to. <laughs> but they have uh, the house itself. It has the classic uh, blood red carpeting, the scarlet red carpeting, just like in the. The Rothschild. Um, estate, so you can't estate. see
0: nothing. No stains yep. in the floor there.
1: Yep, and um, of course you're familiar with Eyes Wide Shut. They have um, the mansion they're in, which was actually a Rothschild property that Kubrick shot that in. Um, they have the same blood red flooring there. Mm-hmm. But basically, the altar is right below that. And this guy, you know, it's it's just hearsay. It's his, you know, it's his like interview or whatever. But he says he prayed over the floor there because the tour guide said the altar's right below. And then he basically said he prayed and then he heard a huge snap. And the, the, um, the tour guide came in and he's like, what are you doing Are you destroying stuff? You need to get out of here. So he, he got escorted out, but what he believes is that he cracked the altar uh, by praying over it. Um, so hearing this story, what's, what's really interesting. While me and Nick Hinton were there, We actually, so we were trying to just get a normal tour. And uh, so we go to the Rockefeller house and there's already a tour going on. So everybody's got headphones on. So we see them inside. We are like, okay, let's go and ask the tour guide, like if we can get on the next tour or whatever, whatever the process is. We go inside and we just go into another room because we're curious and we're just waiting for a chance to talk to the tour guide. While we're in the other room, we hear the door slam. And we got locked inside the Rockefeller child sacrifice altar mansion. And we basically were like, well, uh, are we going to like take this opportunity and check it out or not? And yeah, we decided to we did a full tour. It was the creepiest thing of my life. Long story short, because of that experience, when we went to the Georgia Guidestones the next day, which is about two or three hours away um we decided hey you know what let's try what that guy did let's pray over this altar which there is you know there is blood stains on top so somebody was using it like a sacrifice altar we said you know what let's pray over it let's see what happens so exactly three months and three days later they blew up um you caused the the, lightning bolt bro it exact well yeah or the whatever explosion or whatever it actually was whatever it was But yeah, that's, that's the claim to fame there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just to, to, to speed forward on my, my journey there. So 2019 obviously started to get some traction and then 2020 that, uh, astrological event I was talking about earlier, Saturn conjunct Pluto and Capricorn at 22 degrees, I believe. Um, I knew this event was coming and it was big in the astrology sphere. Um, and like I said, it was it's a sister event to the Protestant Reformation and the printing press and that kind of, um, it, uh, I think it's the Enlightenment era. But anyways, um, I knew it was coming, and I, I tweeted about it, some ideas what I thought was going to happen in it. And basically, what ended up happening was the pandemic, which obviously transformed the world in, in, in an insane way. Basically, that same month was... Um, you know, the initial cases in the U S or whatever. Um, and yeah, so the pandemic of course was, a was a whole nother thing. And, and what really woke me up, this is kind of the transition in the pandemic before I was very much, you know, um, very much a big time, full on believer in Q being a savior and, and kind of, you know, that mindset, what I noticed during the pandemic was how much effort and mind power I was putting towards the Russiagate political circus where it didn't matter to me. I didn't, there was nothing that applied to my life about Russiagate. It really didn't help anyone for me to know, you know, that they're manipulating everything. and, And for me to be waiting for the Durham report, which they ended up, you know, basically he, he waited, Durham waited for the statue of limitations to go up on the only people he could have charged. Um, I think it was the guy who, uh, one of the, one of the guys who, you know, had the fake Russian dossier made up. And, and anyways, what I realized is, wow, I should have been studying, you know, I should have been studying the real depopulation agenda. I should have been looking into big pharma. I should have been, you know, looking into these simulations like operation lockstep, um, which again, is a Rockefeller thing, um, And so I started, I just threw myself full on into that depopulation research and that kind of uh, um, the threads that I released. I basically spent the entire start of the lockdown just in my parents' basement, spending 12 hours a night researching and writing these threads on Rockefellers, depopulation, um, guidestones, etc., Quintessential and...
0: conspiracy theorist in his uh parents' basement. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> no, I was, exactly. I was living at my
1: parents' house in my
0: mid-20s, and that was kind of me too. I would uh get off work late at night, go to the gym, go home, get high, research for hours, and then fall asleep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the uh the hero's journey right there. Yep, um, truly.
0: So yeah, so I, mean, yeah. I real quick, I kind of see where you're coming from. Like I have this ebb and flow where all go through a period where i'm really into politics reporting on it on it a lot doing a lot of content on it and then kind of take a step back and then for a little while i'll get into other interests and research and report on it and it's kind of this ebb and flow so yeah i definitely see where you're coming from being so um obsessed or spending so much time and effort on this on political news which on one hand is important but on the other hand politics just boils down to this divide and conquer groupthink agenda so it gets it wears it's on wwe you. What, yeah what I really, it wears on in you quite a lot.
1: in retrospect with Russia Gate, you know and and trump of course was in wwe as well in multiple episodes but mm-hmm. yep. what what really struck me is that when i started to learn more about how they script wwe fights they you know they understand human psychology and they understand you know you need a bad guy you need to, you know, and they, of course they, they try to make it look as convincing as possible. You know, you see these people smash a chair over someone's head or the rock locks a guy up in an ambulance with chains and then runs a truck into it. And you're like, you know, as a kid, a kid watching, I remember, you know, in elementary school, there are kids watching WWE. Luckily my parents didn't, you know, put me onto that brain rot, but, um, they would, they would love it. And kids are like, wait, WWE is fake. I can't believe it. Like, look, yeah. they're, look, they're, they're fighting each other they're smashing each other over the head with chairs. They obviously hate each other. That's and the gateway retro- to a
0: uh, questioning if Santa's real.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, relevant for the season. Obviously he's real guys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's in retrospect, I'm, I'm starting to see, you know, that, this right before in this critical time where even the, even though I was in the correct place to be researching things that could have helped me warn my family and my friends not to, you know, the actual critical thing about conspiracies, the, the two things I point to, you know, people always say, you know, oh, what's even the point of knowing about this stuff? If you're, you can't affect it, you can't like change the timeline two things that I point to that were actually useful in my own life was one learning about the federal reserve and Bitcoin. And, you know, through that being able to generate wealth and my independence, and then two knowing enough not to get vaccinated because it was the obvious, um, the MRNA scam was the most obvious depopulation operation of all time to the point where I, I actually, um, I one of my uh, most famous tweets. My another claim to fame is I have this tweet from October eighth of two thousand nineteen, where I say, "Imagine a world with a hundred percent mandatory vaccination uh, for schooling, global travel, etc." I said, um, "Imagine one bad vaccine gets through that mandatory schedule and makes a whole generation infertile before anyone." notices it's already too late. So I made that it was basically a week or I believe 10 days before uh event 201, the global coronavirus simulation. Are you familiar with that, Jordan? Oh yeah, the
0: weffers. You really tapped Yeah, the, yeah. You really tapped into the field with that one.
1: Exactly. And yep. and so so you know, it, it obviously was right before they actually ran the operation and looking back now Luckily, I did start looking into it in 2019. I think what triggered me was that they were pushing the flu vaccine so hard, which I think was their final, you know, up the ante, like, hey, let's really get people comfortable with this idea of yearly injections mm-hmm. leading into the pandemic. And and yeah, what I realized was, wow, I was spending so much time in the political circus, even though, you know, Trump is is the most appealing. um, you know, political figure that makes it, you know, it really a hundred percent seems like he is against the establishment. It's obvious that, you know, they tried to rig it from the beginning. Um, obviously Hillary is the most evil person ever. Everybody thought that, including me, thought that she was going to win. Um, and then they, they, his entire presidency, they were against him. You have the January six false flag where they um, where all of his followers are now domestic terrorists and, but what I realized is is that um you know I was spending all this time in the political circus when I should have been doing more research that could have helped prevent one of my friends actually took the vaccine and died. Oh, he shit. got um, heart inflammation. He was it was um yeah, found by his wife in the shower. And you know, I you know, I feel personally responsible for that, even though I mean he he knew that he saw me posting about it. I posted about it since the beginning of The pandemic, I knew like literally as the lockdowns went down, I was posting on my Instagram story. This will not end until they have their mandatory vaccine and it's going to be a depopulation operation.
0: Oh, you can't you can't harbor guilt from that. You're not personally responsible. But a situation like that happens and it makes you realize, you know, it kind of catalyzes you to try to work harder. And no, man, I, I agree with the takes on politics. People just have to understand it's politics. So even when it comes to Trump, there's a lot of good stuff he does, but he still has to play a political game. And with his statements on things like vaccines or his statements on things like crypto or mm-hmm. UFOs or a variety of things, he still has to play a political game. So we can't, we still have to have a sense of detachment there. And we can't mm-hmm. be looking to anything as a savior. Like you mentioned earlier, looking to Q as a savior, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people do that. And I don't know if I really did. Maybe, maybe I kind of here and there back in like 2019, 2018.
1: Well, I was right there with you, brother. So, yeah, I went a little uh... too far, but
0: <laughs> I wasn't like, I wasn't thinking tribunals were magically happening in Gitmo and like a lot of the clickbait shit out there, which really doesn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with Q, but people still believe that stuff. They want to save you for anything. People believe these channelers channeling the Pleiadians <laughs> and aliens are going to come down and save them or they're religious. Yep. Their favorite religious person is going to save them, their favorite religious figure, or mm-hmm. Trump, or Q, or Bernie's going to save us, or <laughs> playing carbon taxes to reverse climate change is going to save us. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter Yeah, where, where it's at on the political or Everybody's spectrum. got
1: their favorite apocalypse that they're, uh, they're looking for a second yeah, coming like, for.
0: Shit, it's up to us, you dingbats. It's our responsibility collectively, mm-hmm. which means as above so below it's our individual responsibilities to be our own savior and then thus above collectively we have to figure this shit out for ourselves and Mm -hmm. change things for ourselves and yeah man when you were going on that that rant there about wanting to do things meaningful or researching meaningful things so you can help others my mind instantly went to health if somebody's Mm -hmm. saying what does this mean to me all these conspiracy theories and new world order what does this shit mean to me Well, number one, figuring out how they're lying to you about yourself, taking care of yourself so you're not some 60-year-old decrepit back hurts with cancer, like live a meaningful, healthy life. You want to be more effective as a human too. Your brain works better. Your body works better. Get healthy. But all the other agendas too, pushing vaccines on us, digital health certificates, central bank digital currencies, the new tech fad, the new celebrity fad. Why would you, how does this not, Affect you. How the hell mm-hmm. can somebody say, How does this affect me? How does it not? You idiot. So mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: There, there's my rant on that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a yeah, exactly. And and that's a again, that's one of the things I appreciated you early on was the you had the health stuff as well, which is a, a critical component. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, that's that's the kind of realization I had as soon as shit hit the fan. I'm like, you know. It, it, I was like, Oh my God, like there's, they're actually, they're running the op right now. And mm. I was wasting my time jerking off uh, and fucking, you know, just waiting for the next few post." But, um, so oh, those were fun on, though, the-
0: man. Can't lie. Oh, it,
1: it was great. It was those great. And, and I, and I learned a lot too. And it and built, it built
0: that- quite a sense of community with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of good to take from it, but mm-hmm. I think, um, people had their own false expectations and they took, They took the posts and ran with their own personal ideologies and they didn't Mm -hmm. see the posts for what they were and then a lot of people went crazy with them and that that was Mm -hmm. their own fault they went crazy with them and hopes well yeah i I
1: have a few i know a few people who literally um um, after the election of 2020 literally just their whole psyche broke because they were entirely psychologically dependent Mm -hmm. on the trump and, and q narrative But that I guess that leads to the next part of this. So, you know, even even during uh, 2020, while I was, you know, of course, realizing that, you know, I should have been focusing more on on applicable stuff. um, We had you know, we had I guess the big thing was Epstein died in 2019. Like I said, I made the thread, whatever. And that really I think that Epstein dying or being killed in prison rather was really the catalyst that really threw the queue and, and all this stuff that really threw the belief up to a different level, because you're like, Oh my God, all the Pizzagate gate, elite human trafficking stuff, it's happening. And we're, we're about to see, you know, an extension of that with the Epstein list finally coming out. But, um, but yeah, during the pandemic, I was still very, you know, again, I was still very hopeful in Trump. I actually, I didn't vote in 2020. Um, because it just kind of on a um, on a deep level, you know, I just don't I, at this point and back then I kind of just decided I, you know, I don't consent to being ruled by anyone, so um, you know I, I'm not gonna not gonna do it. But even then, I still wanted him to win. I was still really hopeful that he'd win. And in fact, you know, I was tweeting up a storm saying, you know, God, I hope he wins, and and because Biden's gonna destroy the country, which of course <laughs> he did. Um. But let's see, the, the next big thing was, of course, um, January 6th. So I was still very, very hopeful, like I was saying, in Q and Trump, et cetera, until January 6th. So my so and this is why my research is primarily focused on, uh, of course, the actual applicable history and everything. Um, but also I focus on in order to make my predictions and, and kind of, you know, how I, I do my forecast is essentially focusing a lot on predictive programming. So there's a lot of, of course, I, which you're familiar with, there's a lot of, like we see right now with civil war and, um, and leave the world behind, you know, these are yeah, two things cyber that we're for and, and civil war, which, you know, they kind of could, could combine together. Um, but when January or rather when the election happened, I was expecting, uh, I saw the V for vendetta, everything about V for vendetta, which of course is written by Alan Moore, who is a Crowley, uh, a student of Crowley, uh, chaos magic, which he admits publicly. He, he specifically states that all art is magic because all art in the mass media affects the mass consciousness and it programs. The population to act in a predictable manner. So when you present a situation to people, like for instance, the movie Contagion in 2011, are you familiar with Contagion? Yep. It was at Matt Damon. Yep. So it was a pandemic. They had lockdowns. They had vaccine passports. They had conspiracy theorists that said it was a uh, you know a lab created thing, not a, uh, a you know zoological origin like they portrayed in in the movie. Um, but it came out recently in, in Freedom of Information Act, uh, I believe in 2021 or 2022, that the CDC actually paid about uh, $1.5 million to create a liaison office to specifically influence that movie, which they used to gen up fair in the public, which allowed them to use it in Congress to gain uh, more funding. And because of that additional funding, that's how they were able to control the country during the pandemic. That's how they were that powerful. Um, so that's just one, like, that's a really hardcore example. What I'm talking about with V for Vendetta is more on a, an esoteric chaos magic level. Predictive programming. It's something that I focus on pretty heavily with my second book It's called American Apocalypse X, and it's, um, primarily focusing on, on predictive programming around what is the most likely scenario for 2024 and beyond, but and, and actually that earlier prediction where I was talking about mandatory vaccination in, in 2019, that actually the core for that came from a episode of Stargate, um, which that uh, talk about predictive programming, that thing is just so riddled with like obvious military uh, intervention and collaboration with both a TV show and the movie SG one, dude. Yep. SG one is Star. my so
0: favorite TV show of all time because purely of how, I mean, the the show run, the showrunners of that the creators of it Jonathan Glassner and Brad Wright they don't realize how close they were with a lot of stuff in terms of or galactic maybe they do true or maybe, or, or they, maybe do. they do you know i i did read at once upon a time that there were a few air force officers that were consultants on stargate sg1 so
1: they were yes they really of che- sg1s a hell of a show though yeah it, it's so good Cheyenne Mountain is now, of course, the headquarters of Space Force, which they it was originally in 2001. It was the headquarters of like U.S. Space Command or whatever Mm -hmm. like bullshit they had previously. And of course, it was where NORAD was being run out of uh, during 9-11, where they had all those war game simulations going with all the fake blips on the computer screens, So they couldn't properly uh, run the response to 9-11. but anyways, yeah, SG-1, great show. I actually, Joseph Malozzi, I he, we're in mutuals on Twitter now, and I was DMing him, and I asked him, like, yo, bro, be honest, how much of the show did you guys base off of, like, actual classified military operations? He's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And uh, I asked him, like, oh. yo, did, you, did you guys read the actual CIA Project Stargate? And he's like, oh, some of us did, some of us did. And I'm like, all right. But anyways, great show. There's an episode called 2010. And in 2010, the storyline is basically they finally meet an advanced alien species that is willing to help them and give them advanced technology. So basically, they have uh, they go forward and their civilization is amazing. They have longer health spans, advanced technology, but then suddenly they find out that they're infertile. A huge portion of the population is infertile because I know, of the the, yep, I know
0: this episode. Cure.
1: And what's really crazy about this episode is it actually aired only, I think, two months before nine 11 happened in 2001. And in the episode, I don't know if you remember the details, Jordan, but they actually to time travel, they use the Stargate to time travel, which they don't usually do, but they use it to time travel but it was, it basically had become like an airport terminal on earth. So they had to run a terrorist attack on the airport in order to time travel back in time and warn themselves about the ashen cure. Um, and, you know, obviously very close to nine 11. So that's just another interesting connection, but that's predictive programming. And what I, I knew in 2020 because of v for vendetta i said all right well it's clear that there's predictive programming here because this movie is about a authoritarian government that created a bioweapon pandemic in order to gain more authoritarian control but as and then i'm like oh the you know in the end they have a bunch of people in masks storming the capitol and i said oh this must be for when trump wins all the anti-footcocks are going to try and storm the Capitol. And so I thought that, and then, you know, I was very, I was taken, um, taken off guard by Trump losing. Um, And I was like, oh shit. Like, well, I guess the predictive programming was wrong or whatever. And, and then I end up going to Jan six and, um, And while I was there, you know, obviously I heard. So I was in the ellipse What Trump, of course, was two hours late. I'm in the ellipse and um, and Trump comes out, he speaks, whatever. And as we were leaving, there's no cell service. Um, And as we leave, word of mouth, people are like, oh, they've breached the Capitol. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) So um, so I, I we walk over there. And. There's people, you know, I'm watching the tear gas go off and whatever, and I'm just standing way, way, way out far away from the actual Capitol building. And it's freezing cold, by the way. So, you know, to uh, Trump making people wait two extra hours, these people were absolutely freezing, chilled to the bone. And that's why a lot of them went inside the building. And I remember thinking that as there was I don't know who these people were, but there was people in suits that were walking Around the uh, you know the lawn of the Capitol and tried they were saying hey they're letting us into the building come on in um, you know come on in they're they're letting us in it's our building so you know that's just an I that's a concept of you know how how these people gotten trapped in this in this little psyop but. The because of Jan six, and now in in retrospect, we obviously have a lot more information on it. One, obviously, you know, it was, um, there was a lot of intelligence, um, operatives in there, like Ray F. Fed Central Mm -hmm. Ray F. So funny, like, uh, and I actually met Baked Alaska. I, um, I shot a podcast with him. He was the one who was live streaming that, that video, famous video of Jan fifth, where. Uh, Ray Epps is saying, "Tomorrow we gotta go into the Capitol." Yeah, yeah. And and obviously he's ex marine or whatever, so of course he has you know it's an easy military connection. Um, but but yeah, now in retrospect, what was interesting is the whole reason that people were walking over there, and for instance, uh, Alex Jones has said this was that the Trump campaign had said, or somebody in the Trump campaign had told. Alex Jones and other leaders of this event that Trump was going to give a speech at the Capitol on the other side of the Capitol from where it was breached. Um, and, you know, obviously he didn't end up doing that, but that, you know, just that setup up the, the March to the Capitol. And like, I mean, Trump must've known Pence wasn't going to do anything already But basically, because of of Jan six, I'm seeing, you know, everybody's now a domestic terrorist. I'm seeing one of my mutuals on Twitter is in jail now um, for I think he got sentenced to some like three years or something like that. Ridiculous. Um, But I saw that event and I'm like, oh, my God, the V for Vendetta programming was for the whole QAnon operation. And it's. It's, it was, you know, I was, I was denying it the whole time because I wanted, obviously, I'm like, oh my God, it has to be Trump. You know, they're, they're trying to set up the absolute new world order authoritarianism. And even when Trump, you know, was developing the vaccine, I was like, oh, I, and I'd actually made a tweet in 2018. I said, oh, I hope Trump starts a vaccine company one day. Then maybe the libs will finally question, you know, vaccine safety. So when he started making the vaccine, I'm like, oh, this is genius 4D chess. He's getting He's going to get the libs to, you know, be scared of it and like expose, you know, the vaccine industry, which for a second they did, you know, CNN and and everybody, Kamala, they're all saying, don't take the vaccine. But that event is really what kind of I'm like, I just got a question for you, though. Yeah, yeah, sure.
0: With January 6th, is that something you're blaming on Trump slash Q or? I mean, why aren't we blaming that on the Fed Antifa infiltrators dressing up like MAGA and Q people and whatnot? Do you make a distinction between those in your ideas about it, or?
1: So, I think I think they're the same entity. I think it's a W W. I think it's the greatest WWE match of all time. I think. Okay. That the you know, I I love Trump. I think he's hilarious. I love the persona, you know, he's made a lot of great moves, although, you know, there's there's certain red flags, obviously. Project warp suite. So I mean, he killed my buddy, like he you know, he killed one of my friends. So and then he locked up my other he essentially locked up my other friends. So wasn't you know, it Biden's
0: there's... DOJ that went after people? And what, but, was it your friend's choice to take the shot or
1: well, yeah, it was it was before um, It was before mandates, but it's so, you know, regardless of, of course, you know, not a hundred percent, you know, he's responsible for that. But um, but to deny any responsibility to him, you know, for me, which I which I would have gladly done previously, you know, it, it eventually weighed on me that this, you know, this setup was pretty convincing to me and I could still be wrong, but, um, yeah, I do believe that, you know, to just give my overall impression of Q and, and what I think went on here was I think, uh, cause it's pretty convincing, which I'm sure you'd agree that Q and on, um, the posts are made by someone within the Trump administration, the various proofs, like when they called John McCain's exact time of death a month earlier, remember that one? That's my favorite
0: yep. dog. The, every uh, dog has its day that post. Yep.
1: Yeah, no name will be back in the news, and then is, his stated time of death was exactly a month after you know, to the minute of the post. Um, so what I think happened there is, and this is my you know, obviously my interpretation right now is that hey, you know, we have opinions to, are uh,
0: opinions, right? I'm not gonna hate you or or attack and you, yeah, terrible I knew, forums, knew. so that's why we're all knew, here. Just to I have knew him.
1: you would feel that way, Jordan. I knew you'd yep. feel that way. Um, so At this point, though, I do believe that, yes, Q was a uh, intelligence operation that Trump to and Trump's administration to some degree was on board with it. And, you know, it, it it perfectly mimicked the scenario in the movie to a T perfectly mimicked what we saw in 2020. You have V instead of Q. And, you know, obviously the the bioweapon pandemic and then you have the the finale, the march on the Capitol. Um and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, it was just like, you know, it was it was a setup and a bunch of you know people I know got honey potted. And I think probably my friend who took the vaccine and died, I think he probably did it. He was a Republican, he probably did it, you know, because he said, Hey, even Trump, even Trump uh promotes it. So that operation warp speed, obviously. Um and yeah, the I will, fact that he didn't fire fouts say- and stuff, like yeah, I would say that's that's evidence against him. I will say, I, I would meet my own
0: personal bias mm-hmm. or point of view here. I would like Trump to speak more about the vaccine. Uh, a lot of people would, for sure. But, yeah, and
1: I mean, he he really hasn't. You know, he really even to this day hasn't. Um, he's never spoke out against it to my knowledge. Yeah.
0: On one hand, he has spoken out against people like Fauci and others, but not directly about the vaccine. It's usually yeah, other socio political issues and i understand game of politics but i also you know personal like would like to see him talk more about it so Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah uh so so just to continue on yeah that was that was you know a major a major shift and it wasn't even immediate you know i still you know i was like oh i hope they can still you know figure out a way to to win it um Another thing about Jan 6, though, this is, you know, I approach things from, as we talked about before, predictive programming, and then also um, astrologically, um, these, the idea of, you know, cycles repeating. Mm -hmm. So another cycle um, is the platonic great year, which I'm sure you're familiar with the, the roughly it's 25 to 26,000 year cycle, the progression or procession of the equinox.
0: Platonic year, Mayan, calendar year kali yuga procession of the equinoxes million different names for it yeah
1: so obviously we're at the transition into from pisces to aquarius mm-hmm. and what happened at the last um you know the last transition from aries to pisces was that um we had we had the roman empire we had caesar and Caesar was voted out of power. On uh, are you familiar with crossing the Rubicon? Somewhat, yeah. So basically, the the concept there is that um, Caesar crossed the Rubicon with his army, which is illegal. You're not uh, the armies uh, were not uh, our generals were not allowed to bring their armies um, deep into Italy and Rome um, to obviously prevent you know a hostile takeover of the government. But he did because. The Roman Senate voted him out of power on January 7th, 49 B.C. And they did this specifically to take away his power in order to prosecute him through the legal system. Sound familiar? It's literally, you know, exactly what they're doing to Trump. Um, And mind you, the vote to get Trump out of power happened exactly two thousand and seventy years later on January 7th of twenty twenty one. Only, it was at like 2.43 a.m., only because of Jan 6. So because of this, which we all know is an operation, you know, whoever was ended up being behind it, they purposely ran this operation to delay the vote to perfectly match Julius Caesar the same day he was voted out of power. And of course, this was the beginning of, because of that vote, it was the beginning of the Roman Civil War, which eventually ended the Roman Republic and, began the Roman empire. At this point, I believe, you know, all politics are completely WWE, even though I, I would still like it. I'd like to be wrong and, you know, have Trump be like, you know, the everything that, you know, the, the Q folks would say is, but, but yeah, then I started to, to do, you know, I continued my research and now um, in order to write my second book, which I think is going to give a pretty, accurate depiction of of what i see coming in 2024 which is essentially a continuation of this cycle where we're going to transition from a republic into a kind of technocracy and i don't think it's necessary i don't think it's going to be uh the new world order that you know that klaus schwab for instance uh dr evil himself would would want but um i think it's going to be a I think a lot of people are going to be happy with what happens. I think Trump is going to come back into power. um, And, you know, we're going to have advanced technology and we're going to have, um, you know, basically everything that we'd like to, it's just going to be, um, there's also going to be some elements of transhumanism and kind of a, a further spiritual battle as well. But yeah, I think that, I think that sums up my journey um, yeah. So switching topics, right?
0: And and a lot of stuff you said, I agree with. I understand the sentiment for sure. There's differences in our opinions and all that, but of course, everybody, right? Everybody's got different paths, different things they've come across, different experiences and whatnot. But I definitely understand a lot of your sentiments for sure and share much of it. Um, in terms of other topics, like we were talking about UFOs earlier, right? And mm-hmm. We, we both saw those in the WikiLeaks. Of course, we've seen this mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, half-truth, limited hangout, whatever the hell, mm-hmm. disclosure. Really, it's been going on since late 2017, but they really ramped it up the past year or so. What are your thoughts on that?
1: So, yeah, yeah actually, yeah, that's that's good. We brought it back there because that's, that's huge. Um, so the you know my my beginning of really looking into ufos was um in 2019 when the navy officially acknowledged that famous video that was leaked by i think the you know some of the main people behind disclosure right now yeah it was um, chris
0: chris you, mellon and Elizondo that leaked that one of the new york times
1: yeah interesting characters there for sure mm-hmm. um But that was, you know, obviously the first time the government acknowledged it. And what I found interesting was that they did it, I believe, is on September 19th, which was the anniversary of the founding of both the CIA and the Air Force, which happened in 1947. What happened on September 19th? The CIA and the Air Force. No, what did uh, what came out on the 19th? the the uh, UFO leak the or I think the Navy acknowledged okay aura, in, know, in 2019 confirmed. you mean yes gotcha in, okay in 2019 yep so that was an interesting coincidence I thought and when I looked into it 1947 of course was Roswell and um, there was a few other events like uh operation high jump Admiral Byrd taking 5,000 um military men to Antarctica for a scientific expedition, Hmm. quote unquote. Um, And then, you know, giving a very suspicious interview on the way back, I believe in uh, either in Argentina or Chile and where he, you know, of course his famous interview where he says, Oh, the oceans between um, uh, continents no longer gives us protection because there's aircraft that can fly, you know, around the world. Um, super quickly and of course people interpret that to mean that he was talking about UFOs. His expedition of course was cut early as well several months early and the rumor is that it was because he got his ass whooped by UFOs in a Nazi base in Antarctica and of course we do know Nazis you know there's actual hard evidence that Nazis went to Argentina and of course that they had a a small base in Antarctica at least acknowledged Um, and of course those two places are right next to each other. Um, and then, so you had that in February and then you had Roswell in June, uh, or July, I forget which, but then shortly after you have the CIA and the air force, which I think everybody acknowledges that the CIA and the air force basically work to compartmentalize any UFO, um, information. Um, which of course, uh, people like Dr. Greer, who we just talked to, uh, he talks about this concept a lot where there's black budget secret access programs that, um, you know, are very compartmentalized where only certain people know about it and not even the president is uh, read into all the details. Um, but yeah, the, the UFO subject, it, it's so interesting. Um, Cause there's so many aspects to it, like Lou Alizondo or whatever, his, I don't know. What Do you remember what, what is it? ASAP? What's the, uh, First the they called it
0: eight first they called it ATIP, A-Tip? and then after mm-hmm. a few years they started calling it AWSAP. I think the A A W S A P I don't know what the acronym stands for, but basically Well, nobody the... does.
1: And that was the big red flag. And I yeah. I I'm sure you probably you probably saw this, but um when it first came out, everybody was giving it a different acronym. They said it stood for something else, and the reason they did that is because it was made up. There was no, there was actually, and the the military never acknowledged that he was the head of the program, and there's no, when you do Freedom of Information Act, they couldn't find anything because Homeboy gave everybody a fake name.
0: He was, he wasn't,
1: he was was in charge of a program, but it was, it was at Skinwalker Ranch, and they were investigating paranormal activity.
0: Oh yeah, Bigelow funding it. That's right. That, um, Elizondo, good old counterintelligence agent, so you can't really trust much of anything of what he says, but- So that supposed secret UFO program that he was a part of, right? I came across an Intercept article back in 2018 that admitted it was James Clapper. Good old James frickin' Clapper. (laughs) Wasn't he the head of the CIA or DNI or something under Obama? Mm -hmm. Real high intelligence guy. Total deep state globalist clown. It was James Clapper. Yeah, it was James Clapper that invited Lou Elizondo to go work on that secret UFO program, whatever you want to call it acronym in 2008. So you can start weaving the threads right there as to, and then you just have to question all this mainstream media UFO stuff. Like you said, WWE, right? What's Mm -hmm. the movie? How are they setting the movie up and manufacturing the narratives, writing the script for it? And Mm -hmm. what's their end goal? How are -hmm. they trying to influence the public And where are they trying to take this? And there's multiple different theories we can Mm -hmm. spitball. Yeah, I I could I could go
1: into that. I'll just I'll just answer that question directly, just so we can uh, you know you can get my exact opinions here. So as far as what I think is going on here in terms of predictive programming to to bring it back to those type of scenarios, which of course you know as soon as as soon as movie technology, motion picture was invented uh they was instantly being used for propaganda it was instantly hmm. world war 2 stuff i believe even the head of the company that publicly released it was also a, a military general an army general but regardless um in terms of predictive programming what i think there's often there's different ways you can do predictive programming for instance there's a duality aspect where you program people into thinking the situation is going to be like in the movie when you present them with it. But in reality, it's not like with contagion in the movie. It was actually, you know, a naturally occurring disease that happened because a Chinese butcher chef was chopping up a a bat and a pig and then shook hands with someone. Um, And that it was super deadly, but in real life, you know, obviously the pandemic was very, you know, very mild, and most of the killing was done by ventilators and, uh, medical malpractice. And of course, uh, what was, uh, Fauci's little drug that he had everybody taking, um, Remdesivir, uh, Remdesivir. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, of course, Fauci, just like with AIDS, he, um, you know, he provides his own, uh, solution, which ends up killing enough people to make it, make the pandemic look worse. But, um, but in terms of predictive programming, I think the fear porn sc- uh, scenario is Independence Day, and this is you know what what Greer says as well is that the military wants us to think that they're you know an absolute all out threat and that we're going to have to build up our military against them and to fear them in that way. Which I know was, um, which I know you disagreed with him, right? You, you well, were, that was your I, question.
0: I don't trust Greer as far as I could throw him, <laughs> but that's not to say he doesn't all all of what he says isn't disinformation there's i think some truth he puts out for sure but in ter- in terms of the grander Euro- UFO agenda i think there's a few ways they could go about this there's a few paths they're probably setting up cards they could play deciding depending on public reaction to the stories they put out which way do we want to take this one mm-hmm. could be false flag alien invasion you hear that throne all the time on social media Mm -hmm. could be this. This is one I've been entertaining lately trying to discern the plausibility of it. Are they trying to, well, either we just talked about make it seem like a threat to inflate the defense budgets, Mm -hmm. but I, I don't think they need an alien threat to inflate defense budgets. I also find that that path, that option would probably, have way too much blowback, way too much chaos they wouldn't be able to control. We know the New World Order likes a little bit of chaos that they can ultimately control and use to bring up more agenda, but too much chaos and chaos that would be inflated to a point that would end up on their doorstep, they don't want. They don't want that much chaos, I don't think. Uh So I wonder about the feasibility of that option, the whole fake alien invasion thing. Uh Another option is they try to present some sort of non-human entities non-human intelligence whatever the fancy name is for it these days they try to present these beings as our saviors or mm-hmm. here to help or whatever the yep. case And they end up not well and that's
1: best. and that's the wikileaks email that's the the wikileaks email where i believe it was yep. edgar mitchell was saying hey mr podesta my my alien contacts are telling us that we need uh, world peace before they they'll give us zero point energy right, and right of course what does world peace mean but a one world government
0: yeah and do we need aliens to give us zero point energy no humans have figured that out we just have to stop suiciding and epsteining them but so I think there's a few different options they're kind of gauging maybe they do another option where it's more of like a contingency plan oh shit we can't do the fake alien invasion we can't present the et saviors so we're just kind of wrap gonna wrap this up and i mean i also see an angle here where the military industrial complex is trying to admit or give a half truth to the public and say oh look at these technologies we we just figured out or that ai just helped us figure it out And they're going to hide the truth that they've had this technology for 80 years. So Mm -hmm. I think there's, as with new world order and globalists, there's always multiple agendas wrapped in any op they pull. And when they're pulling an op, there's always multiple kind of paths that they set up for themselves to take depending on the moves they get from the public as well. So this whole UFO stuff is really interesting. No doubt anything coming from the mainstream media and also Many of the people in alternative media, I think, is coordinated, manufactured, Mm -hmm. psyop misinformation. So I'm just kind of riding the wave and seeing where it goes. On one hand, it's good this conversation is getting talked about. We're seeing major podcasts like Joe Rogan, Sean Ryan. Name your favorite big podcasts. What's his name? Mm -hmm. Patrick David Bett or something?
1: Yeah, Patrick Bett David. He's another South Florida guy.
0: Yeah, he's getting into UFO stuff now. I'm seeing him have some people on his show talking about it. So Julian Dory, another big podcast, getting into it more too. So it's good. People are talking about it, but Mm -hmm. you know, that's where us hardcore conspiracy theorists step up and try to shout with our megaphones and knock a few uh, deeper questions, hopefully into people's heads about it.
1: Yeah. So um, as far as what I, what I think personally, what I think is going to happen is that we have the, the independence day, you know, attack scenario, that's bullshit. That's never, they were never going to do that. There might be, they could have like, you know, maybe they, um, it's going to be implied, like there is going to be a lot of fear involved. But I think the more likely scenario is that we continue global uh, nuclear escalation where we have, we already are picking a fight with Russia, with Ukraine, that's been building up forever. And then now we have the Israel conflict building up again with our other favorite nuclear armed enemy, uh, Iran. So, or, well, they say they don't, but, um, let me, anyways, let me
0: predict, let me predict where you're going with this program. Are you saying that they're going to escalate all this war and then present the aliens to us as being our savior and ending the war and all this stuff?
1: Yes, I believe there's going to be, like we said earlier, there's always a little bit of chaos, very short chaos, and then they bring in the order. So what I think is going to happen is either they let off a firework, they let off a nuclear bomb somewhere, um, which is what the predictive programming points to. It's actually, um, are you familiar with uh, Alan Moore's other great work, uh, Watchmen? Mm,
0: oh, yeah, that one's semi-recent, right? Came out within the last ten years, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think the movie was in 2009. Obviously, his comic 09. books, he wrote them all in the 80s, but then they've been... Gotcha, they've been okay, he wrote all this stuff years movies. ago. The movie
0: just came out. I think I've seen it, but I haven't seen it.
1: So so in the movie, um, or rather, actually in the movie, they changed it. Uh, but in the comic book, basically what happens is that escalier, uh, nuclear conflict is kind of escalating, escalating, escalating. And in order to prevent World War Three. Armageddon, the one of the characters creates a biological biologically engineers, a psychic octopus alien that gets dropped in New York and kills a bunch of people like a million people or so. But because of that event and the world having to unite around uh, each other to defend against it, they form, you know, world peace. So. In the movie, though, they let off nuclear, um, not exactly nuclear, but they um, they basically let off massive nuclear explosions in a bunch of major cities, which has the same effect. So- the thing is,
0: there's so many, and we could probably say this about COVID too, but in terms of the UFO issue, there's so many different movies over the last 20, 30, 40 years with mm-hmm. all kinds of different narratives. So could it be such that, kind of like we were describing the new world order has multiple paths that they want to go down. Could it be such that they put all this media out into the collective consciousness with a variety of narratives as a predictive programming mechanism. So we could kind of pick any movie and say it was predictive programming because they could take that path they programmed in that movie, or maybe they'll use another movie and kind of take that same narrative and then go down that path with, well, there's
1: certainly, that's why it's called chaos magic. And this actually goes back to um, something I learned while on that uh, road trip going to Jekyll Island is the God that they were sacrificing the humans to actually children specifically was this owl chaos God. Moloch. And I, I had never heard of it. And yeah, it's, it is like, a, there is like a Canaanite, like Moloch equivalent, but it was like, um, they, you know, the, uh, obviously the Grove, the Bohemian Grove, they, sac- they do a mock sacrifice to an owl um, and people call it Moloch, but Moloch really wasn't ever necessarily depicted as an owl. So it doesn't fit a hundred percent, but going to Jekyll Island, which people talk about in terms of federal reserve, but they literally have and for all intents and purposes, it was much like a precursor to Bohemian Grove, where the, uh, you know, the elite were hanging out there kind of like an Epstein Island as well. But um, they basically just took that owl chaos god of the uh, Canaanite natives of the United States, um, which they're also giants as well. That's a fun, like seven foot tall giant type thing. Hmm. But Anyways, that is I think more of a approximate equivalent to what they're doing in Bohemian Grove is worshiping this chaos God and giving uh, energy to the chaos God. And essentially, yes. you create enough chaos to where um, to where just a uh, you know you obviously have to bring in order. but it's not like a direct, it's not like a direct plan necessarily. You just have to affect the mass consciousness enough and then things, you know, manifest. Like you're, you're familiar with the meme magic of of the Trump election, right? With CAC and um, those oh, 4chan yeah. posts where the trip it, code was like 77777, Trump will win.
0: When it comes to the idea of magic, I think of magic in terms of will. And you can use white magic or black magic, black or chaos magic. Pretty much the same uh, same effect, or you can use... I'm, I'm,
1: I'm glad you brought that up, because yeah. that's a, a quote by Arthur C. Clarke, is, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And Arthur C. Clarke was the guy who wrote both 2001 A Space Odyssey, which came out just a few months before the Apollo moon landings, which basically, it looks more real than the Apollo moon landings. It kind of conditioned the public as to what to expect of a uh, human moon landing. But... He also wrote a book, which I think is probably describing the most likely scenario as far as, um, when they finally do a full alien disclosure interaction encounter, which is called childhood's end. Have you ever, you ever heard of this? Uh, you ever heard of this book, Jordan? I
0: think I've heard of it, but I'm not,
1: I'm probably not familiar with it as you are. Sci-fi channel made a TV version of it, a TV series version of it, um, But Arthur C. Clarke, after 2001 A Space Odyssey, he did want to have this movie made, but the, uh, you know, whatever, the Hollywood contacts didn't want to uh, fund it. But in Childhood's End, essentially the concept is, again, the world is on the brink of nuclear war and massive UFOs decloak over all the major cities and essentially shut down the nuclear facilities, which... Of course, that's one of the major actual UFO recorded interactions. Are UFOs? So over when did Arthur C. Clarke pistils. write this? I believe this would be in the 40s or 50s. So I we think could, the, I, 1953, maybe.
0: Child when heads. did? Hold on, I'm gonna bring up the computer real quick because 1953. Yep. Yeah. Because I think the the big. UFO sighting over the nuclear installation, all that—that that was at Malmstrom Air Force Air Force Base in Great Falls, Montana. But what year was that? I think that might have been in the '60s, '67. Okay, so yeah, Arthur C. Clarke was definitely first before that. But that's assuming that you know maybe there was UFO encounters over nuclear missile silos before '67 that we don't mm-hmm. know. Public doesn't know. But for sure, it is interesting that Arthur C. Clarke wrote that quite a bit earlier.
1: Yeah. So so Arthur C. Clarke though, that this uh, scenario, uh, once the aliens, the UFOs decloak, they don't actually prevent them or present themselves to the public. They communicate with their chosen liaison. And even he doesn't see them. Um, they give, you know, technology and, and extend the human life sand medicine, but much like in 2010 the Stargate episode eventually the human population learns oh shit we're all infertile we can't have any more children childhood's end um and basically the big reveal at the end of the movie is that and meanwhile of course everyone's everyone's perfectly fine you know some people don't like the aliens or whatever um but basically they have no choice because the aliens have such an overwhelming technological advantage there's nothing you can do So most people are just fine to live out their extended lifespan lives. They have abundance. There's no more poverty. Um, So everybody quietly and calmly just gets completely depopulated. Um, And at the end of the movie, when the or the end of the book, rather, when it's time, uh, the aliens finally say, hey, we're going to reveal ourselves. When they walk out of the UFO, they look like the depictions of demons, you know, horned, red skinned. Um, Mm -hmm. type scenario, and um, so yeah, I think that's you know whether or not they're going to look like demons or whatever, or or whether or not they might, you know, with the Lou Alzando shit and what the at the you know their program that he was running, ATIP, or you know, whatever the actual acronym was. Um, they weren't doing they weren't studying UFOs necessarily, they were studying, I mean, some of them were flying objects. But they were, uh, it was basically funding for a program at Skinwalker Ranch where they were interacting with these weird, you know, interdimensional spirit beings. Uh, Well, at least that's what they said they were doing. Yeah, that's what Um, the narrative is.
0: mm -hmm.
1: So, anyways, I think that's the most likely scenario. I think it's going to be when the aliens do reveal themselves, it's not going to be Independence Day. It's going to be more like a childhood's end where everybody enjoys it. And as far as, you know, how I see that coming into play, you know. Obviously, we had the Israeli, the ex-Israeli space uh, minister say, "Oh, hey, you know, Trump, uh, the aliens have been in contact with Trump. The Galactic Federation mm-hmm. have been." Can with I correct Trump you on Israel. that one?
0: Oh, go ahead. He didn't actually say that. The um, you can find his co-author. So there was a woman. Her name was Yamar. She was okay. Israeli, and she interviewed. Hey, Mashed was his name. He was the okay. ex-Israeli space head. And she interviewed him for a book. The book was published. The media completely spun some of the words he said and then started running those headlines about the Galactic Federation and Trump and all this sort of stuff that wasn't actually written in the book. The media just ran those stories basically to sell more books for the publishing company. Okay, But the Hey, the Israeli ex-space agency guy and. The co-author of his book, they were super pissed. You can find her on Facebook. Oh, really? She, so, so he, he was wasn't making a even bunch saying of saying that there
1: was. Yeah. He didn't even claim that there was uh that they were in contact with aliens. That was
0: total mainstream media clickbait. Just really? and then, then you can question why did they run with that clickbait and get maybe they were just trying to sell books or maybe there was something more to running that headline. But yeah, Hamished hey, and the co-author on that book, they were posting on Facebook. We're so pissed. The media took all our words out of. Context, all that
1: sort of stuff. So, so they don't, because I know there's like the Canadian, um, one of the ex Canadian, you know, space program yeah, people. That's he, he says, hell, and he's, UFO stuff.
0: Yeah, that's Paul Hellier. He's definitely open about it. Uh, the ex defense minister of Canada. He, he actually, but he doesn't
1: that. say, he doesn't necessarily say they were in contact, just that UFOs are real, right? Or, or does he say that they're in contact?
0: Um, I don't know that the exact specifics on his claims, but he definitely confirms UFOs as real, whatever that exactly means. UFOs are real, but mm-hmm. I don't know if he goes that far into saying, Hey, we've already been in contact with them or something like that. Okay, um,
1: cool. So I guess just cause I know we're running low on time. Um, just out of my own personal curiosity, Jordan, I'll, I'll flip it on you. Um, I just want to hear what your, you know, what uh, some specific, you know, just the questions that I had sent you earlier, you know, who do you think is really behind Q? What exactly, you know, what's your best guess? Um, and then, you know, and then I guess, yeah, you're just your takes on Q and, and UFOs in and, and general and, and aliens, I guess.
0: <laughs> Favorite subjects in terms of Q I most definitely believe that it was a small group of people running a PSYOP operation called Q. They were connected to the Trump administration, or Trump was read into the program in some respect. And You think uh,
1: he's Q plus?
0: Yeah. And then they were using Q. And PSYOP is a neutral term. You can use Mm PSYOPs. PSYOP is a tool of magic, if you will, Mm -hmm. for uh, context of this conversation. You can use PSYOP for good or bad means. But I think they were using Q for a variety of reasons. Help uh, mainstream public see things deeper, research, build a community of people on social media. Digital
1: waters, as uh, Flynn would say.
0: Yeah, to that respect. And then also, if they're going to be making posts publicly, you're going to have to have a counterintelligence aspect to it. So put out disinformation, put out... Uh, dead ends here and there that the bad guys would be reading and you mm-hmm. know influence them in that way. So yeah, I do think Q is used uh, in that regard for beneficial psyop purposes. Of course, I don't think the posts in 2021 and 2022. I I question whether or not those were legitimate Q posts. But as far as we know, it ended in
1: uh, November. Those December are some bangers, though. I I really yeah. enjoyed those those recent ones. They were almost ready to two they are almost are you too- ready to serve your country again that was right. i was like i was like fired up but even though i was like you know completely against the psyop at that time they were just such bangers you ready to serve the country again then and then the dna what what Ascension really liked, thing it um the well, just the last one where they're like uh it had to be this way that's a really interesting one because it ties into um the marvel predictive programming which i see as my, my second book, American Apocalypse X, it's basically the cover is, you know, it's essentially uh, a archetype of Elon Musk, which is Iron Man. And then you have Trump, Captain America with a Q on his chest in the corner. But in Avengers Endgame, which takes place in 2023 in the movie universe, uh, they time travel, of course, uh, they, they say this was the only timeline that they would win, that Thanos wouldn't win and depopulate the world. Um, and so that, anyways, that was a that was a tie-in with the mm. with the last Q post.
0: Yeah, I, I question whether or not those ones were real though, because they were almost too ba- too much of bangers with the DNA and the ascension and some of the other things. So yeah. I wonder, but no, and I'm still up in the air whether or not we'll ever get a Q post again. Maybe they'll re up the program for some reason, or maybe not.
1: Oh, I I think I so. I think probably I think probably the the Epstein. I think the Epstein stuff might. uh might trigger it because I see so in my in my perspective here, you know, where I was talking about where we the Epstein was kind of the sacrifice that really fired up the Q base and really was like, wow, this is actually happening. The elite human trafficking, Trump arrested him, and then, oh, the elites killed him in prison. Epstein, what's interesting in in the ritual significance, this is actually a big underlying you know concept to my worldview, is that the um Is that the third temple in Israel is is critical to all the end time prophecies and and kind of uh, the narrative overall. And Epstein was actually killed on a day uh, in the in the Jewish calendar called the ninth of Av, which is the ninth day of their 11th month, which is the reverse. That's when they commemorate. That's the day that the Romans destroyed the second temple. And so that's the falling of the two. So they, they commemorate the falling of both temples, Solomon's temple and then Herod's temple by the Romans on the ninth of Av, the ninth day of their 11th month. Then we have the falling of the two towers on the 11th day of our ninth month. What's interesting about Epstein, you know, the ninth of Av in the in the Jewish calendar, it doesn't fall on the same day in the Western calendar, in our calendar every year because they're, of course, different. But it just so happened that the night that Epstein died, died um, or killed rather, it was the ninth of Av. And what's interesting about the ninth of Av, just the the final connection here, is the Holocaust was actually started by Heinrich Himmler on the ninth of Av, I believe in, I forget where, you know, sometime in the forties, whatever year they started it. And the word Holocaust means burnt offering. That's the the actual meaning of the word. So I see Epstein as having been a burnt offering, in order to solidify to give the this entity that everybody was worshiping the QAnon entity, the sacrifice of Epstein, the burnt sacrifice of Epstein ignited the um, you know really created this solidification of this entity that ended up pushing the narrative forward. And of course, convinced a lot of people like the QAnon shaman to go ahead and and storm the walk into the Capitol because Hmm. they, they truly believe that Trump was our only hope.
0: Um, Yeah, I got, I got questions. I got questions about the shaman guy, but just want to say, Hmm. but bro, I know you questioned Q, but would you be this into coincidences and connecting them? If you didn't have Q to read years ago. Uh, I I know
1: I it's 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 truly it is truly like I mean like I said I I love Trump I think he's he's such a fun character and and uh I think he's done a lot of a lot of good but obviously there's you know some things that yeah really and and Israel specifically is 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 a big part of it as well
0: yeah I'm just giving you shit man uh in terms of the the UFO question you asked um trying to boil down a real complex topic into a few basic sentences I think most of the UFOs seen in our sky are man-made craft or ours. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. I think we figured out how to couple electricity and gravity way back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, sometimes in that time frame. Uh, And it was likely multiple countries working on it, possibly the Nazis, Americans as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. I think UFOs were also seen in our ancient skies, with the stories mm-hmm. of the Vimanas and really religions around the world telling of boats coming from the sky and whatnot. And then we don't have to get into the whole true ancient history conversation here, but we've we've they've been here. I think mm-hmm. ETs have been here for a long, long time. Likely had a hand in our development early on this planet as well, intervention theory. And mm-hmm. I likely think, in terms of extraterrestrial life, uh there's multiple forms of it possibly a physical form, likely spiritual, or, or mm-hmm. extra dimensional, whatever you want to use for that forms as well. And also think that probably, ties
1: into advanced technology, regardless, you know, at a certain level of technology, okay. you know, you're, you, you get into the, you know, you fully realize the, you know, potentials of, of right. humans and living beings as spiritual beings, but yeah, go ahead.
0: There's the potential of consciousness in general, from whatever being it comes from, from whatever planet, our consciousness is really a Really interesting how it operates. But uh, then, where was I going with this? Okay, ETs, physical ones, non-physical ones, possibly both as well. I mean, you got to look at us. We are both physical and non-physical beings. So I often see people, when they get into this debate, they separate those ideas. Oh, ETs aren't physical. They're demonic or spiritual entities. Or you get some people that think they're just physical and don't even think about the spiritual realm. But just looking at us, in the microcosm here, we are both physical and non physical. So you could extrapolate that out. There's likely life out there in the cosmos that's. And I, I
1: think this, this comes back to the Stargate topic that we were talking about before. And I think. You know, it relates overall, just like we were talking about how tip was actually just like an a, a, a esoteric, you know, spirit program studying at a Skinwalker. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual Stargate program and Project Stargate was not about what it was in the movies where you yeah, physically walk through a gate. It was you were traveling across the cosmos, but by astral projecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that duality is really key to um kind of what the difference between what they want us to think and what is like the reality of the situation
0: yeah they want people to either be lost in the material world and not thinking of anything greater and we see that through mainstream science and academia and whatnot or they want people to be so lost in the sauce lost in spiritual world that they can't come back and connect grander existential ideas with planet earth well, you, mm-hmm. And you see that with the New Age movement and all that, which you know CIA probably had a hand in creating back in the 60s. So they want mm-hmm. people to either be polarized or at an extreme on both ends, too materialistic or too spiritual and not able to mm. combine the two and really wrap their head around these ideas, bring them both into the picture because ha- we live in this material world. We have to deal with it. We are physical beings, but at the same time, our world also has this extra layer of, Um, non-physicalness, metaphysicalness, ether to it as well. So you have to think of both Mm -hmm. of them. And I think E.T.'s, all life, in fact, us beings from wherever have to abide by both the physical and metaphysical realms. And in terms of their intentions, I think it could be all over the map. You could have cosmic races that don't give a shit and they're neutral and they just fly fly right by the solar system. You could have races here and I think not too long ago in our distant past, there were races here working to uh, enslave the population, Mm -hmm. possibly even seeding us here for that reason. Then you you also have beings that are here to help, and you could call them angels or benevolent ETs or what have you. But I think Star Trek had this right in when they wrote the prime directive or the non-intervention theory into many of their episodes. And I think even... Speaking of Stargate, Stargate you had quite a few few of the races depicted in Stargate that had that same idea in that they either had advanced telepathy, so they didn't want to interact with, uh, shall we say, lesser races, and it Mm -hmm. was was too much. So it was upon their responsibility to not interact with races that weren't on their level yet, or um, you have to let the human race develop on its own, you know, Mm -hmm. with an advanced ET race, if they were to just openly show themselves and all that, there'd be no spiritual growth here. There'd be no consciousness growth here. We kind of have to do this as we were Mm -hmm. describing earlier with the savior issue. We have to do this on our own. And I think any advanced benevolent ET race knows that. So they're not intervening because it's our responsibility. Then if you have and, a negative, and the only
1: the only alien race they found that did actually give them technology, you know, without worrying about if they were ready, was the Ashen, the ones who depopulated them and had right. negative intentions.
0: Right. So, um, and then any negative race, they're not just going to openly invade and destroy the planet, as like Stephen Greer claims. No, it makes mm-hmm. far more sense that if there were any negative, evil, demonic extraterrestrial race here, that they would. Um, farm the planet from behind the Mm -hmm. scenes and not show themselves and have human emissaries human middlemen do their work for them and there's plenty of theories out there that uh say that the cabal our new world order are descendants from some off-world evil species that that's why they want their bloodlines so pure because they believe themselves to be descendants from these quote-unquote gods sky gods Mm -hmm. and uh yeah that's A lot of rabble. Yeah, you could take with the whole UFO thing, but that's kind of a basic uh, of some of the ideas. mm
1: -hmm. That's a similar to to stuff David Icke talks about. And uh, next time, um, you know, the, well, yeah, he, well, that's what he says is like the Royal bloodline is, um, you know, it's uh, whatever. It has the genetic code to be able to transgress dimensions easier or whatever, but um, to get, I think, I know we're of course running short on time. So there's two uh, two questions that kind of mix together that I'm really interested on on what your thoughts are is one the Apollo program what do you think if we had you know interactions with UFOs since the 40s and I believe Greer was saying there's evidence of you know having functional anti-gravitic craft in the 50s what do you think was the purpose of having a multi You know billion dollar program to launch rockets into Uh, space money,
0: money pit right so they need a public way to be able to siphon money from public budgets defense budgets and all that and then have a little bit of public space stuff rockets and all that but funnel the money into the rest of the programs i do think we actually went to the moon there's a lot of conspiracy theorists people out there that love to shout fake moon landing and flat earth and all this dumb shit.
1: But So do you think specifically Apollo 11, do you think those the videos are legitimate? Probably not. I mean, I think they're I think
0: NASA and the how is it be the globalists, they're trying to hide what they really found on the moon and their real reasons mm-hmm. for going there. And by hiding it, they're muddying the waters by probably actually putting fake videos out there and all this fake shit and mm-hmm. and all that. Um, so I I do think we really went there. I also think there's a lot of fake videos out there online and there's a lot of, um, fake narratives, if you will, misinformation coming from Mm -hmm. NASA, of course.
1: Yeah. What I, what I'd say on the Apollo program, I'm, I'm of the opinion, uh, now that the, uh, the, uh, I think his name is, uh, Bart, uh, Silbert. I'm sure you're familiar with him. He's the guy who goes and, he, uh, interviews the astronauts and tries to get him to swear on the Bible and then got oh, punched no, in the face. no, I haven't.
0: Uh, I don't think I'm familiar with that.
1: I'll, I'll send you some links. He's a yeah. cool guy, but he's he's a long-time uh, investigator into the Apollo missions and he's, honestly, he's had Honestly, I'm not, that in,
0: I'm not that interested in NASA or the Apollo missions. My All mm-hmm. my space research is completely outside caring about public stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I'm looking more I'm looking more at what Lockheed's doing and the defense contractors and I'm trying to figure out the true sciences of what people like Nikola Tesla and T Townsend Brown and all that. That mm-hmm. that's where most of my research goes. So when it comes to stuff like Apollo and NASA and JPL, I I have ideas, I know some, but it really doesn't interest me.
1: hmm Yeah. Um I I what I think this is this I think will be a very interesting area of research for you, because this is pretty critical to what I've been researching recently is this is kind of where you get the fusion between the two spheres we've been talking about the occult sciences, spirituality, you know, interdimensional, uh, along with the rockets physical space program type stuff. is uh, I believe that the, the rockets, the Apollo rockets, I don't think that humans can go past the Van Allen belt in a rocket. I don't think that's that technology, obviously, was at the even at the time they did it in '69, was already at least three decades old from what they had found at Roswell. And, um, and of course, what were developed and uh, called Foo Fighters during World War II. Mm -hmm. So by the time they did that, it was a money opera money laundering operation. Like you said, probably funding actual construction of anti-gravity craft, possibly going to the moon as well. But as far as the rockets, it was purely ceremonial magic. um, Where uh, they did a killing of the King ritual with JFK. And then they named the, um, they named obviously the space center after him. And, and, and yeah, they basically shot his. It, it, it's actually it's kind of a deep thing, so maybe I won't go into it. But it's there's this uh, cult ritual that has to deal with the Egyptian myth of Horus, Osiris, and Isis, where Osiris, um, the sky god, was killed, chopped up into fourteen pieces. And you know that picture of uh, of Podesta, where he's got the fish on one hand mm. and fourteen on the other. Yep. He, he's referencing um, Osiris being chopped up into 14 pieces, the only piece that they couldn't find was his dick because a fish ate it. Um, and the so Isis, his wife, creates a golden phallus for him and resurrects him. And anyways, the obelisk in ancient Egypt uh, represented Osiris's cock, uh, long story short. So you do a killing of the king ritual, Osiris, and then you have his... Thick. And uh, anyways, that's what the whole um, the rocket program was about, was switching, basically creating a space age religion for the population in a post-Christian world, post-World War Two. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I don't think the rockets went to the moon. I think it's I think it's pretty possible that, you know, uh, a, a UFO or anti-gravitic craft probably could. But uh, I guess my follow-up question um, is, do, what do you think is the best evidence for the idea that uh, UFOs and aliens uh, do originate outside, you know they're coming from other star systems? Because in my view, I think that we're the only reason we think that is because of the sci-fi uh, world that's kind of programmed us with Star Wars and uh, these other Star Trek narratives. In my view, I think that it's at least possible, if not more probable, that the craft are, if there is a, a different species that are in them, originated on Earth. I don't think there's any reason to believe that they originated anywhere besides Earth. They're an ancient civilization um, that, you know, either hid underground, which I think is actually, yeah, I think it's actually the reason why they make us look up to space so often and they don't want us to you know, ask why we haven't investigated 90% of the ocean floor, or, you know, explored even the Mammoth Cave, which was another stop on my esoteric road trip. They say they have they've only explored like 20% of it, the largest cage system in the world. So anyways, I think that it's likely that, you know, if there is other species or advanced ancient cultures that had UFOs that they're just, they've just managed to survive this cycle of cataclysms um like the great flood of you know destroyed atlantis 11,560 years ago or whatever um so anyways i was wondering yeah what do you what do you think on that concept what's your what why do you have a gut feeling that they're from ufo's aliens are from outside of the planet as opposed to evolving on um i think it's
0: both actually so i do believe that they're um you know, massive, massive conversations, huge topics that we're boiling down to a few minutes here. But I do think there are, there is a hollowness or there are inner cavities to our planet that have yet to be explored. And I am of the belief that there were ancient civilizations, call it Atlantis, Lemuria, whatever the heck, here in cycles past on this planet. Uh, so yeah, I do think there are, there's a lot within this planet that has yet to be explored. But I also think there's a lot, out in the cosmos that has yet to be explored as well and for me just boiling it down to us evolving here you have all of the ancient mythologies and religions and texts and etc of the gods coming from out there out in the cosmos and coming here basically seeding this planet and then the gods warring with each other and human being a manipulated slave race And just considering the vastness of space as well and looking at the universe as just being a life-growing organism or life-growing factory, if you will. I think wherever life can thrive, it will thrive. So, you know, we're sold this idea that planet Earth is in this Goldilocks zone. It's so perfect here. And I actually think there's a lot of planets out there. That uh, and our solar system is probably like a template within the cosmos that suns and planets have certain quantized growth mechanisms or quantized growth templates where they all kind of form similarly. And the the ideas were sold from astronomy, mainstream astronomy, mainstream science are completely ass backwards. They don't have jack shit, they don't know jack shit about time or gravity or stellar evolution or <laughs> planetary evolution, geophysics. I think that this template of formation with our sun and our planets is actually archetypal throughout the cosmos, and it's likely that life grows constantly and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I do think that UFOs do come, for, or alien races, ET races do come from out there. I also think there's a lot of shit going on within our planet as well, and and possibly even life within it. And that life could be much different as to what we perceive. It might not be Mm -hmm. purely physical like us. It it may or may not be. And deep within the planet, I'm not saying there's giant caves. Even within our own planet, there could be different ways of physics operating or space-time operating whereby life takes on this different uh, embodiment. So Mm. I guess that's kind of a basic of my answers to those kinds of questions. I kind of think it's both UFOs or alien life coming from both out there and within. And I think it's important to
1: explore both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously we're, we're reaching this level of disclosure. So I'm sure there'll be at least uh, some type of narrative coming from the uh, coming from outside soon. Um, The last question, I think uh, the moon in general, you know, you're Mm -hmm. talking about the Goldilocks zone. I think the biggest you know, thing that makes earth unique is, is the moon. You know, there's no other solar or object in the solar system or rather planet in the solar system that has a moon as large as ours. Um, and of course the moon controls the tides and kind of is plays a big part in making life possible on earth. So what do you, what do you think about the moon? Do you think it's artificial? Do you think it was, it was placed there or created or what do you, what are your thoughts there?
0: That's no moon. It's a space station. (laughs) And I'm kind of not joking, because Uh moon rocks have been found to be older than earth rocks. The moon is in this perfect orientation where the same side just magically always faces earth. There are ancient myths and stories about there uh, being no moon. So you can go back in thousands of years ago, records of, of some different myths and religions around the world, and they have stories where there's no moon. Um, sometimes there's also stories about there being two moons, which is interesting as well. But yeah, I do think that the moon is an artificial it, it could even be the ark that's referenced in mm. many of the old religions and mythologies. It could be uh the ark. So definitely not artificial, or definitely definitely not natural in
1: my mind. Did you see uh did you see moonfall? Mm hmm it's a uh, it's a new uh, Roland Emmerich film. that came out in 2022. So basically, all, all these movies that we've been talking about—the primary space and uh, predictive programming, Independence Day, Stargate, yeah. and Moonfall—they're all written by the same guy or directed by the same guy named Roland Emmerich. He's a uh, wealthy West German immigrant who, like, was just handed for some reason, handed all of these high-budget, you know, star-studded um, sci-fi disaster flicks. Um, and, uh, super sus guy, super sus guy is what I'm saying. Probably Nazi ties as well, which interesting. is interesting yeah, you're,
0: you're, you're a lot more familiar with, uh, Hollywood than I am. That's for sure. <laughs> but you're in the think, predictive yeah. programming stuff. So it makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. I, it might be because my name's Drew and, uh, the Druids, you know, obviously Hollywood comes from the name of, they used Holly, the Druids of the British Isles used Hollywood to make their wands so nice. that's like that's where it comes from but etymology is um,
0: fun etymology it, is really fun
1: it really like i was say yeah the, the holocaust stuff and, and everything it really kind of unlocks it's right in front of you it's the hiding in plain sight thing the best place they to call hide. it they call hide it something. spelling
0: because words cast spells and all that yeah yeah yeah, no, yeah it's fun super
1: though. cheesy but so true yeah um what was my last thought? Oh, moonfall. It, it basically, it's a fun watch. I, I think you'd enjoy it. Uh, there's conspiracy theorists. Basically the moon is hollow. It's an arc of a previous human civilization that was brought here and seeded life on this planet. Um, but I guess one, one final statement, Jorna, and then we can, uh, we can close this up, but just cause we are on this subject um, and I'm surprised that you might not have looked into Parsons as as a much as much as I think you should, because it, it really um, ties together a lot of things for me when I found out about it, it, was, it was really is is really game changing is Marvel. Jack Parsons, his actual first name was Marvel, which people don't bring up. Um, he did a ritual in the Mojave Desert in 1946 called the Moonchild Ritual or sorry, it's called the Babylon Working And the purpose of the Babylon working was to manifest this uh, moon child, which is a book by Alistair Crowley. Um, Parsons, of course, was a student of Aleister Crowley. Um, And they did this sex magic ritual in the desert to manifest this moon child. And the moon child, basically the concept is uh, in Crowley in Thelema, they have this concept of a coming aeon of Horus. So a new age and a new world order, you know, age of Aquarius, whatever you want to call it. They basically had this concept of, you know, creating a leader for this new age. And that's what Parsons did in the desert with uh, L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology. So what's interesting here is, one, Trump was born on the next blood moon after the moon child ritual, uh, like a month or so later. But or actually, no, it was the same month. Yeah, it was June. But um, another thing is this this concept of a moon child is essentially where uh, Jesus has a lot of uh, Christianity, has a lot of solar symbolism. You could think of Jesus as kind of a sun child, the son of God. Um, And the cross is actually a solar symbol as well. guys. Good yeah, yeah, exactly. Where the Moon Child, where Jesus is like a divine being who gets his, you know, powers from, you know, being connected with nature and God, um, the Moon Child has its powers from human advancement and technology, so AKA transhumanism, and essentially all of our. Well, this is the overall narrative of American Apocalypse X, is that I believe. Through Hollywood, which L. Ron Hubbard, you know, head of Scientology, he had a huge hand in a lot of, um, you know, his organization had a big hand in a lot of Hollywood films. Like, think of all the movies Tom Cruise was in and how those affected the mass consciousness. Obviously, if you want to manifest a certain scenario, the best way to do it is through the mainstream or through media, through Hollywood. You program the people with your magic. And... Um, for instance, Will Smith in Independence Day, he was a, uh, he's a secret Scientologist. He doesn't talk about it, but him and his wife started a Scientology school in Hollywood um, at one of their properties. But anyways, I believe all of our mainstream culture, including things like Star Wars and Harry Potter, both of those series have the same storyline as Alistair Crowley's book Moonchild. In Moonchild, Aleister Crowley's book, you have a section of light magicians and dark magicians that are fighting over control of a chosen child, the Moonchild, to rule a new Aeon. So it's, I mean, you have Star Wars, light magicians, dark magicians, Harry Potter, light magicians, dark magicians. They both have a chosen one, Anakin, Harry Potter. Um, and actually, J.K. Rowling, being an, a, uh, an English occultist, she actually posted the Crowley deck as her Twitter banner once. Which, I mean, indicates that con- really, if you're into the cult in, uh, in the UK, you're going to be obsessed with Crowley anyways. Um, which is just like Alan Moore, that other author I was telling you about, View for Vendetta, Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, but long story short, I think specifically Marvel is the most powerful vehicle. And it was the most expensive um, movie campaign of all time and, and the highest grossing as well. Uh, besides Avatar, but uh, long story short, the uh, all of our media is and all these scenarios that have been brought up are basically preparing us to accept this coming technocrat, transhumanist, uh, new world order ruled by a you know a transhumanist savior, a, a Deus Ex Machina, um, which of course means God out of the machine, um, and essentially Iron Man. Um, And, uh, and yeah, that's why they call it It's Marvel Jack Parsons. Um, and yeah, so anyways, just an interesting rabbit hole. I have, I have some threads I can, uh, that I wrote on it that I can send you, but it's, um, that's how I, that's how I overall view what's going on now is, is all of these scenarios are being presented to us. We have the Thanos. Oh, by the way, Scientology I know are you familiar with like the actual Scientology lore like when you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars and get to the top what they tell you and then, uh kind of not really Xenu they say Xenu with an x um they say they tell you this lore about Xenu um bringing all basically human souls to earth um because his planet was overpopulated he brings these human souls to earth um throws them into a volcano and blows them up with a thermonuclear bomb. And then, you know, are you familiar with their clear thing? It's like a site. It's basically like a psychology appointment where they um, they make you clear. They basically try to um, it's like a treatment they do. And anyways, they say that you're inhabited by thetans, which are some of the souls, these like disembodied souls that were blown up in the volcano And anyways, the the Marvel, the overall Marvel narrative is that you have Thanos, not Phaetons, but Thanos is trying to depopulate the entire, or sorry, trying to prevent overpopulation and is only stopped by Iron Man um, in the end of the movie. And, And actually in the Marvel series, the father of Iron Man, which would be the father of the moon child, Howard Stark, if you look at how they depict him, they made him look exactly like Jack Parsons. Marvel Jack Parsons. And even in the, the movie universe, he basically fills the same role as Jack Parsons, where he's like an occultist, you know, freaky sci-fi guy um, in the comics, in the Marvel comics in 2017, they revealed that Howard Stark was a Satanist who made a deal with the devil to make his son the smartest person on Earth. But, uh, but anyways, yeah, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the whole summary of, of what I'm going to be describing in my second book. And it's kind of the lens I see the world through.
0: Awesome brother. So to finish this up, man, all these threads, where can people go to read them? What's your at on Twitter?
1: Are you on rumble anywhere else? Just, uh, yeah, just Twitter, just X. Um, and it's, uh, at drew tang reborn D R U T A N G. R e b o oh, r n.
0: Cool man, I'll make sure to throw whatever links you send me. I'll throw them down below. And, okay, awesome. And dude, it was uh, it was good chatting with you, man. A lot of stuff. I'm sure we could talk about for hours and hours.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, no, it's been great, Jordan. Again, thank you for um, thank you for having me on, and and thank you for all the inspiration over the years. Yeah, really, you know, seeing you back in the day, I uh, you know, I I saw that somebody could take all these topics and and find some um common threads and put them all together into like an actual applicable worldview so yeah thanks for everything man yeah
0: appreciate that brother keep kicking ass on twitter putting out your uh, your thoughts and your research and your information because all the predictive programming all the chaos magic it's uh it's how they manipulate us without us even realizing it indeed yeah cool man take care brother
1: all right see you later jordan appreciate it